0: Good morning, and welcome back to Coworking with Iris. Happy Friday. I hope everybody out there is having a great day. Today I'm talking with Doug Mashoff, who is um, a great guy <laughs> and has created a couple of tools that I think the co-working world can use. Um, today we'll be talking about a market analysis tool that he created. Um, Doug's background is in uh, real estate management, really more property management, and I'll let him tell you a little bit about that. I found this tool intriguing because as co-working operators look to expanding and they look to uh, determine which markets are viable for co-working, there's a lot of factors that go into um, making that determination, and the tool that Doug has created is the most comprehensive one I've seen so far, and Doug has agreed to at least show it to us, and talk about his methodologies behind the tool, uh, which I'm hoping will help other co-working operators who want to expand into different cities to uh, understand the methodologies that they might need. If you're like me, you might not be an analysis type person or a a figures type of person, um, and more of a community people type of person, in which case this information will be really helpful. Good morning, Doug. And welcome.
1: And you're not an analysis type of person? That seems.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's just say I don't have a degree in computer science. (laughs) So, Doug, um, welcome. And please tell us about yourself. What's your co working story?
1: Well, I was in real estate for a little bit over 10 years. Um, I did sales, I did investment, I did development, uh, property management, I had a property management company for seven years, um, and a sales brokerage. Um, I ended up selling those about, I don't know, maybe a year and a half or so ago, Um, and I was just trying to figure out what was next. And I was kind of faced with the um, reality that I had to work from home, which I had Done in the past, and I wasn't really a big fan of. Uh, I didn't really get a lot done. Um, someone told me about coworking. I went and I checked out a space in Atlanta, um, and I just fell in love with it. Um, and I, I kind of said, you know, this is. I don't. I don't know what I'm going to do exactly, but this is what I want to do. Um, and I got connected to uh, Jeremy from Next Space, um, and started talking to him um, about helping expand next space develop um you know new locations um which is something that i'm kind of comfortable with uh like analyzing markets and doing site analysis and real estate development and that kind of thing um and so it seemed like a good fit um you know long story short decided to start a software company instead working software but uh, that's how I got into co-working that's how I got interested in the industry Um, so during that process um, you know I I learned a lot about the industry and I you know developed uh, well this tool um, or analysis of different markets or kind of like method for analyzing different markets Um, and it was it's still kind of a work in progress and never really totally completed it but um, I think like the methodology behind like how we went about uh, analyzing different markets um, can still be applied um, even if it's kind of tweaked by whoever's using it. So.
0: What factors did you look for? You know, in in analysis, I don't come from the real estate world, so I'm sure that there are sort of typical factors that real estate um, people people who think in terms of real estate look for. So, what were the key factors that you looked for in this analysis tool that you've created?
1: Um, well, I mean, we were trying to forecast uh, demand in certain markets. Um, so, you know, when you're trying to figure out demand with certain types of real estate. Um, it's really pretty easy. Like, we developed self-storage at one point, and self-storage is basically, you know, there's a certain square feet demanded per person, and that's it, it's really easy. Um, But with coworking, you know, it's like certain markets are good for coworking, certain markets aren't, Um, and it's much more based on like the demographics of like who uses coworking you know, certain age ranges or, um, you know, line of work and stuff like that. So, you know, we, it's difficult right now um, because co-working is such a new industry still. Um, and there's not a lot of data out there. Um, but there's, um, uh, you know, like Desk Mag and like, um, what is it, Emergent Research? Is that yeah, right?
0: small, S- Steve and Carolyn of Small Base Labs. Yeah
1: uh uh-huh. yeah, yeah, right. um, and so you know there' various different sources for information um to find out like who it is that's actually using coworking um and so you know, we kind of put that together, uh developed kind of different demographic segments that we believed uh, were like a demand for coworking, and then we tried to get data on exactly how you know. How much of each was in each market, um, which was a long process, but um, that's basically how we went about it.
0: And I, I think you said something that I want to address, which is that um, there are markets that don't work for coworking. And I think it's important to note that, um, at least in my worldview of coworking, coworking can work in almost any situation. It's really what the intention is behind. The space that you want to open and you want to operate. Um, I see co-working working in rural areas um, and and in those areas they become the community centers and um, you know almost the New Grange as I've mentioned before of that area Um, and I see co-working working in urban cores. Um, I think those tend to be the most popular co-working space or ideas for how to open a co-working space especially in people looking to get into co-working as a real estate play. Um, And also to note that there's, um, you know, there are many demographics of co-working. Uh, some places, especially in downtown San Francisco where I co-work quite often, um, it's really skews towards the millennial generation, towards startups, whereas um, in my home co-working community where I live in, in Santa Cruz. Um, There are people who are in their 60s, late 60s, many people in um, the age group that I belong to of the 40s to 60s. Um, That being said, um, this being an emerging market, I do think that, you know, people are looking for, especially if you're looking at co-working as a real estate play, um, people are looking for a, a certain demographic guarantee and in that case I think this is where a tool like this would be most valuable. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Uh yeah, I mean, you know, like for instance, uh my old business partner Ramon Gonzalez, he owns uh, wow. or he opened up Thrive Co-working in Alpharetta, Georgia, um, which is mm-hmm. what where I used to work out of before I moved to Denver. Um and it's it's a great coworking space. It's very successful. Um, but it's not filled with a bunch of software developers and it's filled, and it's not filled with a bunch of millennials. It's filled with, you know, like there's CPAs, there's, uh, kind of tutors and, and like, you know, teachers and there's just, it's a different demographic than, um, than what you would find in like San Francisco, for instance. So like, I definitely think that it really just depends on the area. I think coworking can, Uh, thrive pun intended I guess in any uh, in any area Um, and I guess like what we were trying to do is is is, I mean to like basically say whether an entire market is good for co-working I mean that's kind of difficult to do Um, I mean really what we were trying to do is Identify markets that we wanted to take a closer look at um, and it, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're great for co-working or they're not great for co-working um, but it you know, they have certain factors that um, kind of Would lead us to believe that there's a possibility that there might be pockets within that market that would be good um, And so I mean once you identify them, you know if you identify Denver as a great place for co-working it doesn't mean that you can just go and build a co-working space anywhere that you know after you identify a market that you want to take a closer look at then you need to go in and do like further uh, market analysis and site analysis and look at um, you know like where are their universities and where are the employment centers and what are the traffic counts and all kinds of things on like a really granular level um, but we were just trying to take that first step to finding, you know, where to look.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, this tool is really able to help determine the financial viability of those co-working markets and the financial viability if, you know, if somebody is looking to expand and their goal is profitability um, in their coworking company, then having a tool like this is going to be really important. Um, how about we dive in? Do you uh do you want to show it to us? You want to do some screen sharing?
1: Sure, let me screen share. (laughs) Okay. Awesome. Okay. So can you see my screen?
0: I can see your screen. It's very colorful.
1: Yes, yes it is. (laughs) Lots of rows and numbers and all that good stuff. Um, so I guess I'll just kind of give you an overview of, of how we went about this. Um, you know, on the left, we obviously have different cities. Um, and then on the right, all these columns are different. Uh, well, not just demographic segments, but different, um, you know, data points for each city that we wanted to look at and that we thought would factor into, you um, how good a market was for coworking. You know, so like population, obviously, if you have a lot of people, there's probably gonna be a higher demand for coworking. Not only that, but, you know, we wanted to look at markets that were growing and not declining. So population growth, um, population density, you know, like in a downtown area, a lot of times, uh, coworking, you know, does better. Uh, this is one that we never actually got to, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, but we found every single Starbucks location in the entire country, um, and so we were going to figure out the Starbucks per capita for each city that we were analyzing. And so we didn't quite finish it, um, but I thought that that was a, a pretty interesting way of looking at it because we kind of figured that, um, you know, st- Starbucks isn't really like a competitor to co-working. We kind of figured if we put a, a co-working space in the middle of a bunch of Starbucks locations that probably a decent amount of those people would actually use the co-working location. Sure. Um,
0: and I think I mean just to just to speak to that, you know, I I do think that um, for people who are looking for co-working that has been some of the sort of anecdotal if you will. Um, metrics and, and, and information that people have looked for. You know, how many coffee shops are there and, and in those coffee shops, who's on lap, how many people are there on laptops?
1: Yeah, Um, laptops. I mean, we would go to Starbucks in different uh, locations and we would just see, we would literally count how many laptops we saw at each one. Um, So, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, So anyway, uh, you know, other factors, and don't need to get too into to all of them, but like, you know, white-collar workers, home-based workers, uh, different age ranges, um, you know, like 22 to 44 um, was kind of like the, the age ranges that we identified as more commonly using co-working spaces, um, bachelor's degree or higher. Um, Marketing computer or computer worker mark journalist PR marketing computer web creative workers. That's I think that's an actual segment. Uh, <laughs> and not only uh, and not only like bachelor's degree or higher white-collar workers, but like the percentage of the population You know it's kind of like population density, you know We don't just want a lot of people we want a, a dense population and we want like a high concentration of of these different segments that we believe were, were good for co-working. Um, and so then uh, basically what we did was we said, let's rank each, let's let's assign a score to each market. Um, and so, you know, out of 10. And so we said like the, the city with the highest of each one of these segments, we're going to rank that at 10 and the city with the lowest, we're going to rank that at zero. Um, and so then basically we were able to assign a, you know, a score from zero to 10 for each one. Um, Then what we did was uh, for each, uh, for each segment we said, let's assign a weight to it. Um, You know, certain, certain segments are more important in our opinion than others. And, um, and that's kind of like an important thing to point out that this is really just our opinion. Um, And, you know, if you, if you make this and then you have these different variables, you know, it allows you to kind of tweak the variables as you gain more data or as you gain more experience and you learn more about like what, um, you know, know, what is a a more important segment to focus on in terms of like demanding coworking, Um, you know, you can kind of modify this as time goes on and, and, also, like I already said, uh, this was really just a way to guide us in the right direction on like what markets to look at, um, or, and to like take a closer look at. So uh, basically, we you know this is like our quantitative analysis on each market, um, and then we also <laughs> did a qualitative analysis, which is I can't think I mentioned to you, kind of cheating for us, and it's kind of like us being lazy. Um, because we found a bunch of other like lists and articles and stuff like best cities for tech jobs and top cities for startups um, and we said like for each city on those lists that we would like kind of give it a value and like a qualitative analysis. Um, and once again the the value would be out of 10. Um, so then what we did was we we established a quantitative score and a qualitative score for all these different markets and we ranked them all out of 10 and whether it's right or wrong, this is kind of what we came up with. So, you know, we, we could be missing, um, certain demographic segments. We could be assigning weights, uh, you know, not accurately enough, but you know, it's, this is kind of like the methodology that we used, And I mean, the list that we came up with is, I mean, I, I'm i pretty sure Pouring is pretty successful in all those cities, so I don't know if we were too far off. Um, and then, then another thing that I did was um, I took out that qualitative analysis, and I just did it based on the the data that we found. And, um, and then we, you know, come up with kind of like a different list of cities. And once again, and these are probably less well-known than the other lists, Austin and you Know San Francisco, and although San Francisco is number 12 there, um, but you know, once again, like, I mean, I the top two I know I can name co working spaces in those. The third one is 30 minutes from me, I know a number of co working spaces there. Um, so I mean, you know, once again, it, it could be Santa Monica isn't necessarily the top place in the whole country to open a co working space, but I would say, you know, like, our our thought on this was that, you know, the top 25, probably, let's start there in terms of like markets that we're looking at. And let's, uh, let's choose those cities to take a closer look at.
0: Yeah. And so a question um, that we talked about earlier before we were on air, um, I was curious, you know, going back to the other view that you had where Austin was number one, San Francisco, number two, I mean, those are the obvious, you know, those Mm of us who are in co-working and have been for a while know that those are sort of um, the low-hanging fruit.
1: So
0: how do you you take into account then if those are the low-hanging fruit that everybody's moving to that location, everybody's opening a co-working space in Austin, Texas or in San Francisco or Seattle. So at what point does market you know the dreaded word market saturation happen and how do you determine that?
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, so basically this, what I just showed you was, um, it, yeah, it, it, kind of shows demand for each city, but it doesn't really necessarily say how much demand and like, okay, it has a score of 6.4, but what does that mean? You know, in terms of like how many, how many square feet can I build in this city? And if I build that many square feet is, you know, is there already too much co-working in that city? Um, so, you know, what we did was um, like certain industries, like I'll use uh, self-storage again. It's like there are certain rules of thumb, which, you know, it's like for X amount of people, there's X or Y amount of square feet demanded it, it, you know, they the industry knows that because it's a very mature industry It's based on lots of research and we don't really have that for co-working. Um, So, you know, we had to kind of say, well, what we did was we said, if there's a market where it is 100% saturated, which really I don't think that exists right now, but we said you know, San Francisco is probably a more mature market than a lot of other markets in the, in the country. So if we just assume that the amount of demand in San Francisco equals the amount of supply, then we can say, okay, well, let's figure out how much supply there is, which is really just kind of like a... You know you just got to do a lot of research you need to look at you know it's like looking up co-working spaces on Google Maps and measuring their you know measuring them and trying to figure out how many square feet and like looking on websites and trying to figure out like how many members they have and how that translates to square footage and stuff like that to figure out really how how many square feet of co-working space is in the city and um, and so whether, you know, whether we got everyone or not, I'm sure that, and this is out out of date right now, um, but let's say it's 404,000 uh, square feet. Um, actually, I'm sorry, let's see, is that square feet? Yeah, so that's that's the square feet of, of, sell, of um, co-working that we found. Um, and so then you say like, okay, well, if we add up for this, what I'm showing you right here, all we used was, creative workers and home-based workers Um, but really what you should do is you should take all of the like the sum of all of these different segments and add them up um, and then say for you know for that sum if that sum of people in San Francisco demands you know uh, 404,000 square feet of co-working space then you can say, like, how many square feet per person in those segments is demanded. And if you kind of, sorry if I'm dorking out too much on my <laughs> okay. real geeking, analysis. I'm
0: yeah, I'm geeking out on listening to you. It's it's yeah. pretty fun.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, if you, figure, if you say that, like, you know, San Francisco is a saturated market, um, then you can say that for e- any other market, then you can use that same ratio of, like, square feet per person in those segments uh, of co-working space demanded so then as long as you know that number of people in all those different markets you can say what's the total square footage demand for each market and then once you know that then it's just about finding every single (laughs) co-working space in every market which is you know, obviously a huge task, but I mean, if you're just doing it on a market by market basis, it doesn't take too long to figure it out or at least, you know, roughly figure it out. Um, So then like based on that, you can say, okay, well, what's the excess in this market? If if there's, is there a 60,000 square foot excess uh, of demand over supply for co-working space? And if so, okay, well, it seems like, you know, building a 20,000 square foot co-working space seems like possibly a um, not such a risky proposition now I mean that you know once again that's just a a very broad view of the market Um, but this was just a way for us to like I said uh, figure out where to take a closer look and then once you do that then it's more about like site analysis and and other things like that
0: right and and also about um, innovation centers and workforce development and economic development centers um, along with um, you know the what I think of as sort of the neighborhood identity the identity that makes up um, you know that city or that location or the neighborhood within the city whether it be downtown or <clears throat> a, um, a more outlying neighborhood from the downtown and the personality that's within that um, particular location because Um, If you try to apply the same factors from one market to the next um, you're more likely to um, I think have an empty shell that houses people than you are that kind of co-working feeling that you walked into um, when you joined the co-working space in Georgia.
1: Yeah absolutely I mean it's you know co-working more so than Probably any other type of real estate I I believe uh, is like really about like connecting to like the local environment that you're in and when we were uh, you know when I was planning on doing co-working development you know one of our ideas was that in each space we wanted to incorporate like design and uh, you know whether it's like imagery and pictures or just like architecture or whatever incorporate that all into the space um, which I think is kind of a cool way to do it and which I've seen in some of like Jeremy's Nextbase, um locations in the Bay Area um, but you know like definitely when you are looking at more like neighborhood or you know uh, yeah like neighborhood level um, of analysis you know you're looking some of these things are still important you know like the population the number of white-collar workers <laughs> the number of Starbucks um, that's all important but it's also about like you know you need to define like for each site you kind of like define like a trade area and figure out like where are the people living that are going to be using your co-working space and like where are they coming from and how are they driving there and uh, you know like what are the (laughs) what are the traffic patterns I mean you can get really you know detailed and sophisticated with the analysis if you want to and you know we didn't really even get to that point that that level of analysis Um, and I think that you know in the past like co-working has kind of been you know you build a co-working space in the right market and it's probably gonna fill up because there's so much demand for co-working um, right now but I think that like you know as more and more people open co-working spaces um, and the market becomes more saturated This analysis is going to become more and more important, and like understanding exactly like where the demand is coming from, and you know understanding like the demographics and like all these little details about each market uh, is going to become more and more important.
0: Yeah, and I'm curious how you would apply um, uh, financial analysis to this because I see that as another next step you know, whereas um, in your first list, Austin and San Francisco might be, you know, the most obvious choices, um, they're also gonna be some of the most expensive in terms of real estate, especially San Francisco. And so determining viability based on that as well, um, you know, in, in Santa Cruz where I live, um, our real estate is really expensive. But mm-hmm. the, um, the earning potential for the majority of the population is pretty low unless you commute uh, what we call commute over the hill um, to the Silicon Valley <clears throat> where the earning potential is, is you know, exponentially higher. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, determining w- whether or not just the sheer price per square foot of real estate um, allows for a co-working space to be profitable is another, I think, really important determination that people are going to have to look at.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, like, you know, different markets, some are more expensive and some are less expensive in terms of real estate. And then usually that translates to higher prices for co-working memberships. Um, but possibly not always, you know, there might be markets that are expensive, but co-working hasn't really, the popularity of it hasn't spread to the extent that it has in other markets. And maybe, maybe that makes those markets really bad because it's high real estate prices and low, membership prices um, but and then there's also you know real estate's not the only expense in co-working you know some of the expenses are are variable and kind of change with market but then some are are fixed um, and don't really change that much regardless of what market you're in so you know so that, that would mean that for certain markets that have um, really low membership prices and the fixed it would mean that the fixed costs probably take up a higher percentage of the revenue that's coming in so I mean that's really you know that's that's kind of like a whole nother analysis which <laughs> I would love to actually do one day um, but you know that's that's something that you would probably want to do on just like kind of a city by city basis as you do it mm-hmm. Um and I I don't know if that that probably wouldn't be like my starting point if I'm looking at which markets to go into Um, because usually the real estate prices if they're high it's offset by higher membership prices Um, not always but usually so you know if 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 that's the case then you know markets should be comparable regardless of the price of the real estate
0: Yep. yeah well Doug this tool is wonderful and thank you so much for sharing it. Um, okay. If people want to get in touch with you to learn more about your methodology or potentially share ideas with you <laughs> or mm-hmm. learn from you, how do they do that?
1: Uh, they can email me, doug at meshworkapp.com.
0: Great, thank you. and. Tell us what's next, what are you working on now? You mentioned um, that you thought you wanted to go into co-working next, so are you opening spaces? What are you doing? You found a software company? What's going on?
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, I decided to start a software company. Um, Yeah, we, Um, you know, it's it's really like an ecosystem for co-working spaces and members to connect and to collaborate, and it's a, Entire platform for coworking spaces to run their businesses and and hopefully you know make them more profitable. And uh, been working on that a while, and we should launch in our beta version in about three weeks. So pretty excited about that.
0: Wow. Well, I'm really excited to see it. And um, once you launch, we'll get you back over here, and you can talk about what Meshwork app can do for coworking
1: people. Awesome. Excellent. Well, thanks so.
0: Thanks so much for talking with me and, and sharing your super-brainiac-geeking-out-on-numbers
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> spreadsheet that yeah, yeah, yeah. you have there. Very much appreciated. Definitely.
1: Enjoyed. <laughs> thanks a lot.
0: Thanks, Doug. Well, thanks for tuning in today. Um, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. And uh, next week, I will be continuing my neighborhood co-working. Um, focus with talking with Mora Hauser from 25 North Coworking uh, in Geneva, Illinois. Maura is creating a network of suburban coworking spaces to meet the needs of people working outside of urban cores who also uh, need a place to work and a community of people to work in.
1: See you next week at 10 a.m.